Hello! Welcome to the Kinks and Beatles Daily Deep Dive. I am your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 229. Thank you for joining me. Whether you're here in the live YouTube live video, or if you're listening to it a week later on the audio feed, or you're catching it on YouTube at any point, I hope you'll go back and check out the rest of the catalog, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get new episodes every weekday. Um, before we get started today, I want to remind everyone that we have a bonus episode scheduled for March 26th on YouTube Live. Um, this is going to be a video-only release, because we're going to discuss the best and worst album covers from the Beatles, the Kinks, and their solo catalogs. So it doesn't really work as an audio podcast. So this is going to be a video exclusive. Um, if you've contributed to the podcast in the past, you will receive an email invite uh, to the podcast video. Uh, that should be going out in a few days. I don't want it to sit too long before the actual event, and then you forget. Um, and with that access, you can join and, and participate the live recording on the 26th, and you can also watch the video in the archive afterwards. So you don't have to be present to watch it. Um, if you can't make it to the live recording, you will still have access to that video with the um, email code that you get sent. Um this episode will be restricted for two months. So anybody that contributes to the site or to the podcast um, is going to get early access to it for two months. The rest of you can't see it until May. Uh, and this is my way of thanking folks who are helping to keep this podcast alive um, and ad-free, which is important to me. Um, because it, it does help tremendously. And there have been a number of you that have that have chipped in and 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 done it as a recurring basis and for that I'm very grateful and I hope that this is a nice little thank you um, for the assistance that you're giving to the podcast should be a fun episode though um, could be a long one so I hope a lot of people are able to make it and contribute in the chat because we've got a lot of album covers to uh, to cover um, and if you would like to contribute to the podcast you can do so at herohabit.com shop and uh, you'll be able to figure it out from there. Also, be sure to swing by the YouTube channel and subscribe to the Hero Habit channel so you get reminders of upcoming live recordings and some of the other content that we're producing. That channel has been forgotten. I've, I've pretty much ignored it um, for years. But over the last couple of weeks and going forward, we're going to be doing some uh, cool content relevant to this podcast as well as other aspects of Hero Habit's coverage. So if you like sports and pop culture and collecting and music and all that kind of stuff um there's a lot of new content on a, on the way that i hope you will enjoy so enough of that stuff let's talk about hello goodbye by the beatles which was released as a single on november 24th 1967 backed with i am the walrus and also on november 27th 1967 on the american lp for magical mystery tour now this is so far we've covered um, a whole bunch of songs from the Magical Mystery Tour that were both on the American LP and the English double EP. Those days are done. From here on to the end, uh, we're only dealing with songs that were singles and on the B-side to the American LP. Um, this was the band's third single of 1967 which is incredible when you consider they also released a massive album and a double EP's worth of soundtrack music. Um, and it also continued the tradition of the band having a number one hit at Christmas time. The only time they didn't have a number one hit at Christmas 
from 1963 to this point was in 1966 because they didn't release one. So every year they've released an album or a single at Christmas time, it's been the number one hit at Christmas, which I'd be shocked if another band's done that since. Recording for um, Hello Goodbye began on October 2nd, 1967, under the working title Hello Hello. And at this session, they recorded 14 takes of the basic rhythm track of piano, organ, drums, and percussion. And there's a ton of percussion on it. Interestingly, even at these sessions, the famous second ending, or tag coda, or fade out, or whatever you want to call it, um, was a part of the song. Yeah, I had always kind of figured that it would have been an afterthought um, that they tacked on later, especially this one, because it, 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 it is kind of a restart. It's not a continuation of anything that's been going on so far in the song, but it's been there since the day uh, one of recording. Um, on October 19th, a couple weeks after that initial session, the band adds two guitars and lead and backing vocals by Paul, John, and George. And then the following evening, the two violas were added to the track. And as you can guess, these sessions with the violists went into overtime because, of course, they did. On October 25th, Paul finally adds his bass part to the song, and this seems pretty late in the game to me. You'd think Paul would have recorded that way back um, on at least the 19th when he did the vocals. But here we are three weeks into recording and with the viola overdubs, so we're already orchestrating this song, and he still hasn't put down the bass guitar part. It's kind of interesting. I don't know what the motivation for waiting was, um, but that's how it went down. And then on November 1st, um, uh, or at the November 1st mixdown of the track, it is officially known as Hello Goodbye. Then the next night, November 2nd, a full month after the first session, Paul finally adds a second bass, and they did several mono mixes. Stereo mixes were completed on November 6th. Um, it's easy to see why this song was a hit. You know, it's catchy, the lyrics are simple, and it's it's very bright and energetic. John had wanted Iron the Walrus to be the A-side, but it's hard to imagine even the Beatles taking that song to the top of the charts at Christmas time in 1967. I love the song, don't get me wrong, it's one of my favorites. But that would have been a pretty far-out track for Top 40 Radio. Lennon would speak ill of losing the A-side to Paul, um, but on this one I think he's wrong. I just don't see I'm the Walrus as being a commercial enough hit. Is Walrus the better song? Maybe. Is it a grander artistic statement? Possibly. Probably. Is it a radio-friendly bopper? Sorry, John. It's just not. And it's Christmas time. Um, the track ended up becoming the longest run at number one since She Loves You, four years earlier. And also, can we take a moment to really let this sink in? That in four years, we've gone from a, a, a single with She Loves You on it to a single with I Am The Walrus on it. That is pretty incredible. I mean, come on. Um, one cool thing about this track that a lot of people probably don't know, maybe they do, it could have been on the Wikipedia page, I didn't look, but uh, there was a mix made without the use of violas because back in those days, the BBC, or not the BBC, but the Musicians Union of Britain had strict rules about musicians miming to music. It had to be done live. There had to be a certain... Uh, I think they had certain percentages or something, but the, it was it was a very important to the musicians' union at that time that the, the acts performed live. 
So the Beatles are setting down to record some promo videos for this song, and they do a mix without the viola overdubs because they're not going to have viola players in the video. And so they do this mix without the violas and try to pass it off as if they're playing live. Now, I love the Beatles. You know that. But they were among rock's worst musical mimes. They're bad at lip syncing. They're bad at faking their instruments. You know, George will sit there um, strumming just randomly. John won't even be on the right chord. You know, Paul is always a little bit off in the vocal syncing. They're just horrible. And um, they didn't all get better over time either. Ignoring the fact that nobody's playing a piano in the video. I just told you the basic rhythm track is piano, organ, and drums. There's neither one of those. Well, there might have been in one of the videos, now that I'm thinking about it. But it's clearly not a live recording. I mean, who do you think you're fooling? Just because the violas aren't on there, you're not fooling anybody. BBC apparently agreed with me because they never aired the video. Um, and every version I've seen had the violas back in the mix. So I've never actually seen this version of the video that didn't have the violas in the mix. I'd love to hear it sometime. Um, but you kind of get a feel for it on Anthology 2. Because on that one they use track or take 16 of the track, which doesn't have the viola parts in it yet. But it does feature a lot of guitar work that was eventually eliminated from the song. And the mix on that track, I was talking specifically about Take 16, is horrible. And I hope if we ever get a remix of these sessions, whether it's a Magical Mystery Box or like an anthology remix or whatever they're going to do with some of this leftover material that is uh, worthy and able to be remixed, I hope they do remix Take 16 because it's a cool and interesting take. But the mix is horrible. And I think... um, the uh, the guitars on it, because of the way they're mixed, they sound very amateurish. It's a bad tone on the guitar. Um, it, it's just really bad. I just do not like it. Um, I think I'm saying this wrong. The anthology's got take four. I think I was saying take 16. That's the final take. I think the anthology's on take four. Um, but you get you get what I'm saying anyway. Musically, the song is in the key of C and opens with some pretty basic chords, F6 to C to G7 to A minor. Or, for you Roman numeral fans out there, it's a 4, 1, 5, 7, 6, 5, 7, 6, 5, 7, 4. All diatonic chords, nothing borrowed here. So we start with that 4 chord. It's a 6 chord, and you can tell because it's actually... Paul starts the melody on the 6. That D is the 6. Oops. Six, five. Right? So that's the verse. It's all very basic chord structures. Nothing crazy there. Um, at the end of the phrase when he sings, I say hello, it's actually a bar of two. And then it's back in a straight four. Every time they do that um, little bit, it, it drops two beats out of the measure. The chorus is still in C, but Paul has added a descending bass line to connect the chords. So it's like a C, C slash B, A minor 7, A minor, sla- a minor 7 slash G to F. So in the bass line, you're getting that C. Mm-hmm. 
B A G F and then the greatest chord of the song an A flat 6 chord so he's doing the C's actually it's a Um, as far as the key of C goes, you'd have to do a lot of harmonic gymnastics to get to that chord. But since it's following an F chord, we can kind of take it to the key of F, just for this one little transition. And in the key of F, it's uh, basically doing the same thing that we talked about him doing on the Magical Mystery Tour song last week we mentioned it in one of the kink songs we talked about last week and that's simply going up a minor third after a major chord um, so the third of f major which is the chord he plays right before it would be an a natural but a minor third is at a flat um, it's a great hook obviously paul was a fan he's used it several times before he'll use it again uh, he's using it several times during these sessions for this um you know, the post-pepper stuff. Um, and then the form repeats, but when he goes to that same section again, so you've got the what we just talked about. Then repeat. Then he goes up to a B-flat 9 chord, and then to C. And that B-flat 9, it's just like a flat 7 seven um kind of it kind of functions the same as a, a regular g7 chord but it's a cool it's a cool bit it's it's just a five a four or four chord b flat is the four chord of f which is the four chord of c so it's it's um it's not as far removed as the a flat chord is it's, it's so catch it doesn't catch your ear quite as much it's still a cool hook but it does pull you back into C a lot harder. And it's, you know, it's just a variance. It adds a new little flavor to it for a song that is predominantly diatonic. He's not borrowing a lot of chords, but when he does borrow a chord, he's throwing in some cool little ear hooks. Um, and then the coda is just a vamp over a C chord. Hey, la, hey, bay, lo, la. Hey, la, just a C chord over and over and over which is something that the Beatles seemed uh, interested in doing at that point because we've got what do we got we got Magical Mystery Tour ends with kind of just a little vamp um, Flying ends with a little vamp there's there's a few of them you know Strawberry Fields ends with that vamp you know there's some uh, just like little random jamming things going which is you know if it's in the air it's in the air I love this track. Um, it was the opening song when I saw Paul live on the first night of his 2002 tour. It's catchy. It's happy. It's great. I do absolutely hate the mix of this track. Um, as much as I've liked the space and the airiness of many of the Magical Mystery Tour tracks that we've covered so far, this one is too spaced out and the stereo spectrum is too divided. Uh, it makes it difficult to listen to on headphones. I don't like how weak Ringo's drum, his snare drum is. Um, and before the mono loyalists come after me it's not only the stereo spread that I don't like about the mix there are other aspects to it 
that I don't particularly like, but uh, it doesn't. I mean, it's still a great song. And you know, on speakers, it's not as bad, but on headphones, it's it's tough to listen to this one. All right. So if you'd like to get a hold of me, tell me your thoughts about um, "Hello Goodbye." You can call me, of course, at nine two five four nine four. 1739. You can email me at Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm sorry, Kinks and Beats at HeroHabit.com. And of course, you can go to HeroHabit.com and find everything that you need to know about this podcast there. All of our previous episodes, how to get a hold of me, where you can subscribe, everything is over there on HeroHabit.com. There's a podcast button at the top of the page. Just click that and you'll get everything you need. And you can also help contribute and get your access to our first premium bonus episode for the end of March. All right, take care of yourselves. Have a great day and stay safe.